0: Hi everyone and welcome to our lecture, our second lecture on bell hooks. This one is on the last chapter of a book by bell hooks called the will to change men masculinity and love and the chapter we're reading is called loving men and I think this lecture will be a little bit shorter maybe than the some of the ones we've been having because it's uh the chapter is for a pop audience so I think it's a little easier to understand than maybe some of the other readings we've been doing and um, the last lecture went a bit long and there's no um, biography today so our, this lecture should be a little bit shorter. So let's get started. So Bell Hooks begins this chapter by talking about her relationship with her dad. She talks about her dad as a strong man who didn't talk, who didn't show feelings. Who didn't give time or attention, who was a provider, a protector, who was the warrior guarding the gate, a man they weren't allowed to know, they weren't allowed to hear boyhood stories, his life was shrouded in mystery. These are the ways that she describes uh, her father. And Bell Hook says, to write about men in love, I must speak of war. And I just want to keep um, keep in mind this idea of war and we, as we go through this chapter, we see what bell hooks means by war, and it's much more expansive, I think, than, um, than what we might think about when we hear the word war and just think of like actual war with a battlefield and soldiers. This, I think what bell hooks is talking about here is a different kind of understanding of war. So keep that in mind. So Bell Hooks writes, we have been told that civilization cannot survive men's loving, for if they love, they will not be able to kill. But Bell Hooks writes, if men were natural born killers, there'd be no need for patriarchal social- socialization to turn them into warriors or killers. So she talks a little bit about the myth of the warrior and how it's wounded boys and men how it's an arrow th- shot through the heart of their humanity how it leads men in the direction of an impoverishment of spirit so profound that it threatens all life on planet earth and i think maybe it's interesting to think about what we what she might mean by it threaten it has th- come to threaten all of uh, life on planet earth bell hooks writes about shepherd bliss who talks about the warrior way having grown up in the military, and he writes that the warrior ethic has damaged us and that while there are some traits to appreciate like courage, teamwork, and loyalty, the archetype, this, this warrior myth, is bankrupt at this point in history. And we must value other images for men like peacemaker, partner, and husbandman who cares for earth and animals. War is a fail is failing as a strategy for sustaining life and creating safety, which seems kind of there's something kind of obvious when you say it that way about war as a as a strategy for sustaining life seems ov- a kind of obviously ironic. and war as a way to create safety also seems ironic, but then I think also that that is a way that war has been used or the narrative of war has been used bell hooks points out that war in its earliest forms was inclusive of men and women but that the triumphant predator status has been given to males alone as innate and natural in quotes and prey status has been given to women you know and i I think about this this idea of the alpha male men wanting to be the alpha male which is about being the, a top predator. Bell Hooks writes, warfare and aggressive masculinity are mutually reinforcing. We cannot speak of men in love, of love between men and, and women without speaking of the need to bring an end to war and all the thinking that makes war possible. So Thich Nhat Hanh is quoted as saying, resistance must mean more than resistance against war. It is a resistance against all kinds of things that are like war. So perhaps, first of all, resistance means opposition to being yourself invaded, occupied, assaulted, and destroyed by, by a system. The purpose of resistance, Thich Nhat Hanh writes, is to seek healing of yourself in order to be able to see clearly. And we see this idea of seeing clearly repeated at the end also about how what's happening in patriarchal thinking is um, a distortion of the reality of the world, of the truths of the world. Thich Han says, Communities of resistance should be places where people can return to themselves more easily, where the conditions are such that they can heal themselves and recover their wholeness. In domination cultures, Bell Hooks writes, Most families are not safe places. Since we have yet to end patriarchal culture, our struggles to end domination must begin where we live, in the communities we call home. And bell hooks points out that we already know that men can reject patriarchy and claim their rights to life and love because we see individual men doing this. We have many examples of individual men who do this. But if we are to create a culture in which all males can learn to to love, we must first reimagine family in all its diverse forms as a place of resistance. We must see boyhood differently, not as a time of indoctrination into manhood and particularly a manhood that is about violence and death, this kind of warrior manhood, but instead a time where boys learn to glory in their connection with others. We need to create the culture that will enable boys to love and to do this, we must see the family as having its primary function, the giving of love. Learning how to love in family life, boys and girls then learn relational skills which are needed to build community at home and in the world poet wendell berry says if we are lucky enough as children to be surrounded by grown-ups who love us then our sense of wholeness is not just the sense of completeness in ourselves but is also a sense of belonging to others and to our place an unconscious or deep awareness of community of our inherent community We cannot live without community, and I mean a really simple example of this is the trees that are necessary to create the air that we need to breathe, and Wendell Berry describes this double sense, this as a double sense of both singular singular integrity, so integrity just of ourselves as individuals, as autonomous beings, but also our this realization and deep sense of communal belonging and that this is our personal standard of health for as long as we live. When families are functional, bell hooks writes, and not shaped by a dominator model and the patriarchal thinking that underlies this dominator model, the model of health that Barry describes can become the norm. This model of health as both singular integrity and communal belonging. The individual difference between boys and differences between boys and girls will no longer be interpreted as a cause for domination, for one to rule over the other. But these differences will be occasions for exploration, for sharing of knowledge, and, and catalysts for inventing new ways of being. So I think this is really interesting that bell hooks here doesn't erase difference it's not about not seeing differences between us between different types of boys or men or between boys and girls or between just people we don't have to get rid of these differences but these differences instead of taking on a hierarchy instead of being put into a hierarchy can be a place for exploration for new knowing and sharing of knowledge and and catalysts for for new ways of being bell hooks writes if gender if rigid gender roles are not imposed on boys they will make their decision their own decisions about selfhood in relation to who they want to be their passions their longings their gifts And we can't properly honor boys or protect their emotional lives without ending patriarchy. If boys are raised to be empathetic and strong, to be autonomous and connected, to be responsible to themselves, to family, to friends, to society, if they're able to make community that's rooted in the recognition of interbeing of our interconnectedness, then we'll have a solid foundation For loving, there'll be a solid foundation for loving. And to build this solid foundation, men must set the example for each other by daring to heal. And Bell Hook says that often this healing journey begins with a return to boyhood and an evaluation of what they learned about masculinity and how they learned it. And then how they're embodying that learning or perpetuating that learning. Men who are on a path to love must choose the process to become emotionally aware. Bell Hooks says women want men to be more emotionally aware, but there is a crisis. Women now despair about the capacity of men to make constructive change, to achieve this emotional maturity, to grow up. Bell Hooks talks about her mom being angry that her husband isn't more emotionally mature, more emotionally giving. And bell hooks describes her mom as feeling left with broken promises without the reward for performing the subordinate role her whole life, that she was told a good woman should perform and that she told would come with certain rewards or certain benefits. The love women are looking for in relationships with men, Bell Hooks argues, is one that's based on mutuality and partnership. And importantly, Bell Hooks points out that mutuality is different from equality. Mutuality is, doesn't have to be the same thing as equality. So women believed that men would, would give women respect, Bell Hooks argues, if we showed men that women were their equals. And Bell Hooks points out that the root of the word respect means to look at. So what does it mean that women want respect? Bell Hooks says women want to be recognized, to be seen and cared about by the men in their lives. But even in circumstances of inequality, which is still the social cultural circumstances we're in now, we must not use differences to enforce domination. Love cannot coexist with domination and this is a really crucial point that bell hooks has added to the uh, philosophy of love literature or theories is really to separate love from violence and domination so for bell hooks love cannot exist where there is domination or violence bell hooks writes women have not proven that they care enough about the hearts of men about their emotional well-being to challenge patriarchy on behalf of those men with whom they want to know love. When we give love, real love, not the emotional exchange of I will give you what you want if you give me what I want, but genuine care, commitment, knowledge, responsibility, respect, and trust, it can serve as the seductive catalyst for change. And I think we should be careful with this idea, as you know, bell hooks talks about later. But you know there obviously there have to be limits to this giving of self in order in order to help the change of others so i just want to point that out and just say you know that there this is not something without limits and it can be a really challenging thing to identify those limits okay so back to bell hooks so bell hooks says that women who want men to love know that they cannot really that this cannot happen without a revolution in consciousness where men stop patriarchal thinking and action and she says any woman who supports patriarchy who then claims to either love the men in her life or be frustrated that they do not love her is in a state of denial bell hooks points out that sexist roles have always given women more support for emotional development because emotion is basically is one of The few things that sexist roles have given women is emotion is a woman's domain. And so Bell Hooks argues women have found it easier to find their way to love. And men will never receive the support from sexist roles for their emotional development. That support can never come from patriarchal culture. Because part of patriarchal culture is to carve emotion away from men and and out of our our stereotypes of men or our roles for men bell hook says if we offer the men we love affirmation that they can change as well as assurance that we will accept them when they are changed transformation will not seem as risky and again i just want to say that i think there is a there has to be a balance right between helping others become their best selves which is of course something we do for each other something we do for our family members for our friends for our partners is to help each other grow and thrive and heal and be better but obviously these things are also work that we have to do for ourselves the the responsibility also rests with us for our own transformation, for our own growth, for our own healing. So now Bell Hooks goes on to talk about sexuality. So she writes, importantly, when men love, it changes the nature of their sexuality, both how they think about sex and how they perform sexually. In a world where men love, a focus on eros and eroticism will naturally replace male obsession with sex men could enjoy sexual pleasure for its own sake and not as a substitute for fantasies of domination or as a way to assert manhood in place of selfhood and I think this is a cool thing that bell hooks does where she talks about asserting manhood instead of selfhood and I take her um, use of manhood here to be manhood in the patriarchal kind of warrior predator domination sense and selfhood to mean um, a whole self the expression of a self that is uh, not this kind of patriarchal manhood so patriarchal pornography is the place where men can pretend that the promise of patriarchal power can always be fulfilled But as um, Bell Hooks quotes Steve Behrman talking about later, this uh, promise of sexuality within patriarchy can never be fulfilled because of patriarchal conditioning. There can never be wholeness, pun intended, for men in either sexuality or um, in in reality because of the patriarchal conditioning. So Bell Hooks writes, transforming the real world men inhabit requires our collective will to dream anew the male body and the male being as a site of beauty, pleasure, desire, and human possibility. James Hillman in The Soul of Sex is quoted as saying, to find the soul of sex, we must wrench it out of the materialistic and mechanistic body that we have created by means of our modern philosophies, and reunited with the subtle, fantasy-filled, mythologized body of the imagination. Men must undergo a healing restoration of the will to imagine before they can break with the model of sexuality that breeds addiction, while, tr- while denying them access to a sexuality that's satisfied. So why are men so obsessed with sex? Well, Steve Behrman says that men are handed sexuality as the one vehicle through which it's still possible to express and experience essential aspects of their humanness. And these essential aspects of their humanness have been slowly and systematically conditioned out of men by patriarchal culture. What are these essential aspects of their humanness? Well, it includes intimacy, closeness, openly loving, being tender and vulnerable. And as we were talking about just earlier, the promise of sexuality within patriarchy is that men can find those things in that place, that men can find their, men can find intimacy, closeness, be openly loving, be tender and vulnerable in sex, but it can never be fulfilled because actually patriarchal conditioning has scrubbed this out of men. So it still can't be found in sex because they bring their selves who have been where these parts of themselves have atrophied because they haven't been nourished and so they can't they still can't find them in the world in or sorry they still can't find it in in sex. Behrman suggests that men resist repression and choose passion instead as they reclaim their feeling lives. The root of passion, Bell Hooks writes, is to suffer. So to claim passion, men must embrace the pain, feel the suffering, moving through it to the world of pleasure that awaits. This is the heroic journey for men in our time. I like this line, reclaim their feeling lives, their lives with the living with feeling. As men work to be whole, sex will assume its rightful place as just one pleasure among many pleasures. Unlike addictive patriarchal sex, passion rooted in life-affirming erotic ethos deepens emotional connection. So Cobb and Francis write that loving sexual intimacy expresses care and appreciation Is mutual giving, not mutual taking? Is an area where individuals nurture, not exploit? Where partners are not interchangeable? Where physical intimacy deepens emotional intimacy? Behrman tells us obsession with sex can be healed when we reclaim all the essential aspects of the human experience that have been taken from them affinity with one another, caring connections with others, sensual enjoyment of one's body, tender love for oneself and others, vulnerability, help, gentle rest." And Bell Hooks writes that women who love men share this vision. No man who reclaims passion for his life will fear the passion in another man. He is not homophobic, Bell Hooks writes for to be homophobic would be a rejection of the self-acceptance and acceptance of others that is essential to the formation and maintenance of self-esteem." She talks about Frank Browning in A Queer Geography who distinguishes between gay identity politics, which closes down connection, and a commitment to eros and eroticism that widens connection. And here Browning is talking about erotic as all the powerful attractions we might have this includes relation powerful relations of mentors and mentees intellectual sparring intellectual relationships friendships spiritual relationships all these are for browning erotic and we'll we'll read audrey lord's um, paper next week about the power of the erotic which is also about an expansive idea of the erotic. Things that are not just about sex or don't involve sex at all. Bell Hooks writes, patriarchy has sought to repress and tame erotic passion precisely because of its power to draw into greater and greater communion with others. And we might also think about uh, Nancy Tuana's uh, discussion about the lesbian continuum. And this kind of expansive idea of um, the power of women-women relationships, of relationships between women. And there's a similar thing happening here, right? Of The power of meaningful and deep connections between people, that being erotic, whether there's sex or not. Bell Hooks writes, Feminism has changed the intimate lives of women and men by offering to everyone a vision of relationships that are rooted in mutuality. And remember, she distinguished between mutuality and equality. So we don't need equality before we have relationships rooted in mutuality. Feminism has offered women a vision of partnerships without domination. And this can only happen when patriarchal thinking ceases to dominate our consciousness. We have to speak the truth that the time has come for males to have a revolution of values. We need to value differently. We cannot turn our hearts away from boys and men, and then wonder why the politics of war continues to shape our national policy and our intimate romantic lives. There is a war between the sexes, Bell Hooks writes between those who believe they are destined to be predators and those they deem prey, and resistance to gender domination by women has only intensified this war. As feminist thinking and practice loses visibility, many women are looking to patriarchal values for their salvation. Females are encouraged to assume the patriarchal mask to be more like men or tomboys and females embrace this paradigm because they feel it is better to be a dominator than to be dominated. But this is a dead end. There will be no love here. Most women have not embraced the alternative theories of visionary thinkers like feminists. So even though women are taught relational skills that men aren't taught, women haven't put those skills to use. to use in the quest for love or freedom, but instead have put those skills in the service of domination, of patriarchy. So women are not any more advanced than men as a group for the most part. And women can't journey the path to end gender warfare and make love possible without men because men hold too much power in a patriarchal society. And because we love them, we don't wanna leave them behind. Like women who have navigated difficult terrain to open our hearts, to find love, men need consciousness-raising, support groups, therapy, education, and loved ones to do positive interventions. Men seeking help often find it difficult to find support. We ask them to change without creating a culture of change to affirm and assist them. But here we have Bell Hooks articulate limitations of this helping. So she says... Women are wise to be cautious, though, about the energy expended in the service of helping men heal. What is a good man? Well, according to Kay Lee Hagen, good men listen. Good men self-reflect. They actively educate themselves about patriarchy. They avoid using women as emotional outlets. They look to women and others for guidance and receive criticism with gratitude. Not an easy thing to do. They practice enduring uncertainty while waiting for a new way of being to reveal themselves. They intervene in other men's misogynist behavior, even when women aren't around. They work hard to recognize and challenge their internalized misogyny. They recognize the value of feminist practice for themselves and advocate for it, not because it is politically correct, not because they want women to like them, not even because they want women to have equality but because they understand that male privilege prevents them from becoming whole, authentic human being. And male privilege keeps them from knowing the truth about the world. And we might think about what truths about the world are they prevented from knowing because of male privilege and patriarchal systems. Bell Hooks writes, men in pain in crisis are calling out and they do not know what to do. We show our love for men by working to heal their wounds, recognizing that identifying the ways we are wounded is often simpler than finding and sustaining a practice of healing. We live in a culture where it has been accepted and even encouraged that women wholeheartedly stand by men when they are doing the work of destruction, but not when they are seeking healing, seeking recovery, when men are working to be creators." The work of male relational recovery of reconnection a reconnection of forming intimacy and making community can never be done alone we must create guides signposts new paths healing does not take place in isolation and that's the whole lecture for today on the bell hooks so for your question this week to post in the class chat forum I'd like you to reflect on um, this Bell Hooks reading and the relationship between men and feminist theory, feminist thinking. Is feminist theory, does feminist theory have anything to say to men? Does patriarchy, do you think Bell Hooks is right that patriarchy has damaged men in some way in the way that it, it creates them? And can feminists, can feminists say anything about this? Those are kind of the ideas I'd love to hear your thoughts on in the extra 1% post to our class chat forum for this week. So I'll see you soon for the class two for this week on um, by Elizabeth Brake. Okay, see you then. Bye.